0: Australians have paused for a minute's silence to mark Remembrance Day. Services have been held around the nation, honouring the fallen. Up to 13 million people died in World War I. 60,000 were Australian. In 1918, 104 years ago, the guns finally fell silent at the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month. A National Service of Remembrance has been held at the War Memorial in Canberra. Rachel Baxter is there. Good morning to you, Rachel. It was a moving ceremony.
1: Good morning to you, Sally. Oh, it certainly was. And it literally just wrapped up a few minutes ago. We just saw the catafault party uh, filing out. But for more than 80 years, uh, the War Memorial here in Canberra has been a focal point for the nation on Remembrance Day. And today, more than a thousand people are here this morning paying their respects to those who served and those who lost their lives. And it's the first time since before the pandemic that we've seen crowds back to numbers like this with this year's service being held off to the side of the memorial this year due to a half a billion dollar renovations. We spoke with War Memorial Director Matt Anderson a little earlier, here's what he had to say.
2: We've had to move the
1: memorial's commemorative events off the parade ground out the front, around here to the gardens in the west. That meant we moved the Stone of Remembrance, but it still is a terribly moving and meaningful service. As for the guest list, well in the past we've seen attendees like the Prince of Wales, the now King and the Duchess of Cornwall come here to pay their respects and of course the Prime Minister would usually make an address. This year Anthony Albanese is paying his respects in Sydney before jetting off overseas to meet with global leaders. Deputy Prime Minister Richard Miles and the Governor-General are here though, as well as Seven West Media Chairman Kerry Stokes who has made the commemorative address.
2: We pause here in silence to reflect on this day when the gardens finally fell silent on the Western Front in 1918. Immersed in the spirit of those who have given their all, their lives for us in war.
1: And there's no doubt that their spirit certainly lives on here today at the Australian War Memorial. Sally?
0: Okay, thank you very much. Rachel Baxter there. One of the most poignant tributes this Remembrance Day has been in Sydney. The sails of the Opera House met the dawn ablaze with poppies. Paul Kadak joins us now. Morning to you, Paul. It was a stunning display, wasn't it?
2: Good morning Sally, it was quite a sight indeed. Take a look at this it was the view over the very still waters of Sydney Harbour this morning from about 5am leading up to sunrise, the poppies bright on the darkened sails of the Opera House, standing against the first light of day and it'll be lit up like this again tonight from 8pm to 11pm. Now the main service here in the heart of Sydney at the Martin Place Cenotaph has just concluded, as Rachel reported Prime Minister Anthony Albanese in attendance. Along with New South Wales Premier Dominic Perrottet and Governor Margaret Beasley, joining the gathering, paying their tributes, remembering all of those who've died or suffered for Australia's cause in all wars and armed conflict, more than 103,000 making the ultimate sacrifice. 104 years ago, on the 11th hour, the 11th day of the 11th month in 1918, the guns fell silent. The destruction, which the world had viewed with abject horror over the previous four years came to an end. The price that had been paid was terrible. The conflict set in motion more than a century of reflection, but those who served in the war had no comprehension of what their sacrifices would mean to nations across the globe. And this morning, of course, this marking of the minutes, the moment of armistice on the 11th day of the 11th month has been in communities large and small across the nation on this day, Sally, that Australia remembers. All
0: right. Thank you very much. Paul Caddock reporting from the Sydney Cenotaph there. To other news now, and Medibank hackers have dumped more sensitive customer data on the dark web. This time it's very personal information on whether or not mental health services were accessed. Sarah-Jane Bell reports.
3: Medibank has apologised to customers again this morning after the latest data dump, the third in just three days. Now the insurer says it will be contacting customers who have had their personal information released on the dark web to ensure that they have support. Reportedly this latest data release contains the names of more than 200 customers who have received medical support for issues linked to mental health and to alcohol. With the hackers also writing online, we warned you, we always keep our word. Now, Medibank says they do expect the criminals to continue drip-feeding the release of this information in a way that's uh, aimed at causing distress and harm to customers. And the federal government is looking to strengthen laws. Jason, are you going to fine Medibank?
2: Well, potentially these fines, the increase in penalties that we're bringing forward to the parliament uh, to change the Privacy Act could apply to Medibank or Optus or any other company that lets their so customers So they're retrospective? Down. And I, I I agree. Uh, Well, the legislation's got to be introduced.
3: There are almost 500,000 people at risk of having their health information exposed. And the hackers seem intent on getting the insurer to pay the $15 million ransom. But that's something that Medibank, with the support of the government, has refused to do.
0: Russia's ordered a retreat from the Ukrainian city of Kherson, the only regional capital Moscow has seized since the war began. The withdrawal marks a major blow to Russia's offensive, coming just two months after Vladimir Putin announced the region was annexed, Sarah Greenalt reports.
4: Well, politically and personally, this is yet another big humiliation for President Vladimir Putin. It was Wednesday local time when Russia's defence minister announced the withdrawal of Russian troops, about 40,000 of them from the strategically important city of Kherson. This is located in Ukraine's south. It was captured by the Russians at the beginning of the invasion. Now, the Ukrainians are unsure of a few things, of how long it will take the Russians to leave, given that they have to cross over to the other side of the Dnipro River, uh, how many Russians could remain as part of a Kremlin trap. There is also intelligence that they have heavily mined this city. Their way of thinking is, well, if we can't have it, then no one can. The Ukrainians though are having uh, some major success in the country's south at the moment, just as they did in the north in September, recapturing uh, about 12 settlements in the past 24 hours, liberating these villages with video flooding social media showing villages embracing Ukrainian soldiers. These soldiers raising their own flag in areas that have been under occupation for eight months. The latest estimates from US officials is that 40,000 Ukrainian civilians have been killed so far throughout this war with about 100,000 military casualties on both sides.
0: Heavily armed police have arrested three people following a dramatic standoff in a Melbourne car park. The trio is accused of breaking into a home and threatening two women with a gun before stealing their car to get away. Police tracked down the fugitives at a shopping centre in Melbourne's north after 24 hours on the run. The accused, a man and woman and teenage boy, are now in custody.